Hey guys, it's Jeff. Um, speaking on behalf of Quain and I, uh, we're going to do things a little different. I'm making an executive decision to actually cut our intro. Uh, we recorded an intro uh, before we departed for our brewery this week, and I just have to say that our expectations and what we anticipated are just so different from what we're feeling right now that we're cutting it. And we're just going to go right into what is an amazing interview with Jerry Sauters of Brew Pop Brewing in Auburndale. And if you're thinking to yourself, why the fuck would I go to Auburndale? We're about to give you a reason. So enjoy this episode. Disclaimer, it's long, but there's just so much to be said. God damn, I hope you have a good listen. Uh, a good friend of mine, he's been... Uh... He stumbled upon this. Uh, I don't know how Zach really caught on to brew pop. Uh, what happens now for us with what ails you? We end up just every Monday we record. So kind of going back to other breweries has been really hard for Jeff and I. So when we when we think about it, it's like we want to hit different breweries, and it has to be our first time here is when we interview you. So it's kind of unfortunate for us. It's just like we want to go out and try as many Florida beers as we can, oh, yeah. but it only comes down to the, uh, you know, down to the interview, but uh, he loves it. So Zach's been coming here and uh, he said, you have to, you have to check it out because they're doing their own different style, which now I'm really excited to talk to you about and which we're going to get into, but uh, let's get to, let's get to know you. Um, so where was Jerry born? So where, where were you born? Uh, I was born in Bad Axe, Michigan, Bad Axe. Okay. which is in the thumb, thumb of Michigan. Uh-huh. Uh, grew up in Michigan. Um, went in Bay City. Uh, we grew up in. I grew up in Bay City. Okay. Um, and I actually, uh, growing up in Bay City, my father was a truck driver. Uh, he actually worked for a company, a distributor called Andrellis, which was a Paps Ribbon distributorship. Okay. Um, so I actually, uh, growing up in that area of Michigan, um, yeah, the first part of my life. <laughs> I used to wash uh, delivery trucks every Saturday morning for about seven years. Really? So I would go to the PBR distributorship and wash the trucks with my dad. And, um, you know, growing up in Michigan, uh, doing that, also growing up in Michigan, got a little off topic here, um, you know, grew up a lot around the fresh fruit. I had a lot of friends that would do cherry wines and plum wines. I grew up a lot around a lot of people who were making their home brews it wasn't beer but it was actually we grew up with a lot of wines oh okay and that really got me interested you know in a different aspect you know i go to the friend's basement you know we were kids like 12 13 and <laughs> get the little wine thief and you know that that kind of sparked my interest back then you know just crafting just yeah just crafting and doing things and you know coming from michigan um you know having the availability of a lot of fruits and everything uh that can flavor you know, anything that you're doing, which that kind of led me into, you know, where I'm at today. Nice. And uh, so dad did that. What did mom do? What was she? Uh, mom was, uh, she owned her own cleaning, cleaning company. They did uh, painting and uh, wallpaper and uh, they did all of that kind of things, you know, uh, is, you know, they did that for several years. And then uh, any brothers, sisters? Or? Uh, yeah, I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Okay. Yeah. So full-on full on family up in Michigan. So um, do you remember Bay City at all? When did you get out of there? When uh... um, I left Bay City in uh, the fall of 87 to move down here. I actually moved down to Polk City just okay. about 10 miles from here. 
And uh, so someone really didn't like Bay City. I heard she called it a stinky northern uh, Michigan yeah. town. Yeah, but she's from there. She's from there, so, actually. Uh, yeah, claim to fame. Everybody has their little so claim. So is there, is there a statue of Madonna there? Or no, like? no, there isn't. I, used, I, grew up with a, I grew up with a friend, one of my neighbors when I grew up. His grandmother used to babysit Madonna. Okay, get out yep. of here. That's yep. so funny. So that's my claim to fame. But she left when she was like five years old. But we kind of, we were all in the same area. Um, another interesting story about Bay City is, you ever hear of the Bay City Rollers? Of course, the Scottish band. Yep. So when they were coming to the United States, they didn't have a name. They needed a name to come to the United States. So what they did is they took a dart and threw it at the map, and it hit Bay City, Michigan. So That's they, how they got their name, Bay City Rollers. Bay Rollers. City Rollers. I'm trying to think of what, like, what's around there. Oh, it's yeah. like, mm. shit, that's a gamble. I don't <laughs> want to know what they were going to hit. And it's just like, you get the worst name so. ever. But, uh... So you decide to move here, um, just family decide or just you? You you came down to Polk City. Um, when I came down, uh, when I graduated, it was a, I graduated high school in '82. Okay. Uh, between like '78 and '84, um, the auto industry is around Detroit, Saginaw, and Bay mm-hmm. City. Um, they the Bay City Chevrolet closed down. Uh, many of the other car plants closed down. So when I was graduating high school the future looked extremely dim yeah so when there's eight to nine thousand workers get laid off right around graduation day there's not much hope um but i got i got lucky and i was an auto mechanic right out of high school i grew up my dad was an auto mechanic grew up working on mini bikes and rebuilding and i was an auto mechanic i got a job right out of there uh like two months out of high school okay and started working as auto mechanic and um, during that time, my grandparents in the 70s moved down for health reasons. Okay. okay. And they moved over here to central Florida because they had FHA homes, which were lower income homes. Yeah. And, and then that kind of brought my uncle down. My uncle used to work for NCR. Uh, he moved down to work at Disney uh, in the late 70s. So I had family starting to migrate and I was always close to my uncle. and. Coming in the late 80s, I start seeing my uh, my future, and it was not the greatest. Okay, Being an auto right. mechanic, and mm-hmm. we hired a guy one day, and he was 55 years old, and he was making $12 an hour as an auto mechanic, and I seen my future, and I says, I got to leave. And that's what kind of brought me down here, you know, just the economy and everything was so bad up there, and I came down here to uh, work at Disney. Um, okay. And um, that's what brought me down here and that's where i met carmen yeah it's just so, so she comes up in the yeah, first so she comes i in, love yeah. it that's good and then um so was that your first taste of beer though with your dad working working up in michigan yeah just, oh yeah, yeah i was i was the most popular kid in the neighborhood right oh yeah mom's gonna listen to this she'll have fun with this one um <laughs> but we used to um dad used to you know bring home beer all the time you know our basement was you know stacked head high with PBR cans and all of my friends were like, Jerry, go get some beer. And we'd sneak in the basement and they carried out. I would never, I drank it, but I just, PBR just that, Right. Pills, I just didn't have the taste for it, you know. So it was a good but beer. I, I was a popular kid because yeah. I would steal my dad's beer for everybody else. <laughs> so when was the first good beer you had? So do you remember that one? When uh, when did you say, okay, I can, I can drink this? A little yeah. older, I hope, but I, uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of go back, I, I've thought about this um, when I was growing up in Michigan, we had a town called Frankenmuth, which was a German town. Okay. And we would always get the German beers. And I had friends who were really into German beers. I actually have some Grosch bottles back from Michigan sitting on the counter over there. Awesome. But they would bring them in as I was like, you know, in my 20s, 21, 22, and they would bring me these big Belgian beers. And I would go, this is nasty. 
And I always go, I, I go back and I go back and I'll have them beers. So if I could ever travel back in time, one of these things, I would go back to my younger self and hit myself in the head and say, don't say they're nasty. Please Love suffer it. through yeah. the, get the acquired taste. Don't yeah. waste the next 30 years trying to find a good beer. But actually my first uh, getting into it, you know, PBR and, you know, all the other beers. My first one was I was out in California out at uh, having dinner with a coworker in the early 90s. And he ordered a, um, it was a hard apple cider from Pennsylvania. And he tasted it. He's like, I don't like this. Do you want it? And I was drinking like a Miller Lite or something. We were out and um, he gave it to me. And I says, yeah, sure, I'll have it. And as soon as I sipped it, it was like something I was looking for. And I'm like, this isn't, you know, it isn't beer. It isn't wine. It was, and that was the first one that sent me on my my path to where I'm at today. And it's funny, it's in California that that happened. Yeah, you and know? it was a beer from Pennsylvania. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. And I love my ciders. That's actually where I started. Again, wine, and which I love. This, this is a huge, like for me, this episode, we're about to open doors. Because on the shirt, on the sign, on the website, you know, you have the beers, you have the wine, and you have the pizza. That's life. For mm-hmm. me, that is the best trifecta of all time. If you're going to give me beer, wine, and pizza, that is the best Sunday night I'm ever, I'm ever going to have in my life. So, um, ciders for me, I love them. I love them. I still do. I still yeah. appreciate them. And a lot of people making amazing ciders right now and playing with it. And I can't wait to have a cider episode. We're trying to really kind of do a cider episode. Oh, nice. And uh, there is somebody locally in Orlando, and we can't wait to just pick his brain because they're making great cider at this place called Quantum Leap uh, Winery. And it's a winery. Mm-hmm. It's a winery. And we're going to do a cider episode with that. Yeah. Well, that's okay. what a lot of people don't understand is... You know, a lot of people, it's marketed as a beer. Yeah. It's techn- it's just carbonated wine. Yeah. You know, it's no different than champagne. You know, I mean, in that aspect. And that throws a lot of people off. And, you know, the other thing that throws people off, too, is uh, sake is technically a beer. It's it made, is. It's made from Even grain. Though, okay. So the yeah. rice and the grain. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Rice is a grain. And it, uh, so sake is technically a beer and cider is technically a wine. wine. But... <laughs> It's marketed at the, the opposite. So funny. But, I mean, it's a great, it was a great marketing uh, campaign when they came up with that to market the ciders as a beer, as an alternative. Because at the time when ciders really came out, you didn't have any choices. I mean, we're talking pre-late 80s, yeah. you know, 90s when they hit with the wine cooler phase and all right, of that was right that. after ciders. But yeah. there was really, you know, there was no sign of craft beer. You had... No. You know, four breweries in the United States making everything, you know, Yingling, Miller Coors, and, you know, Budweiser. And, I mean, they were making pretty much a lot of everything. And when ciders hit, they hit pretty hard. Yeah. And um, they've stuck around. I mean, it's pretty amazing how they've, you know, still stuck with time. I'm proud of breweries that are that are doing ciders, though. I think it's the only ones you would ever see. I think for me in the late 90s and in the 2000s was the woodchucks. And you were mm-hmm. just like, okay, so people are starting to make that's what they're doing. Yes. And that was it. I mean, that, but it was in the beer aisle. So it's really funny. I never mm-hmm. thought of that. I really never mm-hmm. thought of that. So, um, so it was a cider, like, was that the first opening to the door of you saying, I want to make beer or no, no, no. no. So that's, what happened in California we're, then? We're a long ways from that. Yeah. yeah this is, go. we're, we're let's in the, the early nineties with that one. Um, and that sent me down the cider path. Yeah. Um, for the job that I had back through the nineties and early 2000, I was like 80% travel. Okay. Um, I've visited almost every state in the United States. I've got to travel overseas. I've been to 
um, Hong Kong and Indonesia, um, been to Israel, uh, Kingfisher. Oh, nice. Yeah, Kingfisher's an awesome beer, so especially watching the you know sun come up on the Mediterranean drinking a Kingfisher. Uh, it was really nice. That's how I fell in love with that beer. Um, but the ciders put me on a path uh, to start looking for them. Um, I start getting into the pear ciders. I was over in London, um, and I'm like, well, I wanted a cider. And this girl came up. I was in the hotel, and she brought me this big, quart glass of ice and a bottle of Magners. There it is. So, and I'm like, what do I do with this? You know, this is getting into the 2000s, so we're down the road quite a ways. And she looked at me funny. Oh, you're American. Mix them together. I says, why would you do that? Why would you put us in ice? What are, what are you thinking? And as soon as I, she said just, and she got mad at me and poured it in there and said, drink it. And I drank it, and I'm like, oh, that opened my eyes up mm -hmm. to another one. I mean, the, the ice really changed the flavor of it. I got hooked on you know, the dry Irish ciders and all of that. And then that kind of led me into, I was in, uh, where was that? I was thinking about this earlier. Carmen's going to have fun with this one. So I was in Ohio and it was, I was on a, uh, for, on a um, project for my job and I got in late. It was like 1130 or something. I was in Ohio and there was nothing open. And I looked across the river, the Ohio river, into Kentucky and I could see a Hooters was still lit up okay. and I'm like, it, like I don't want to go you know I'm like <laughs> so I went yeah. it was the only place open to right. eat I was desperate I went over there and got something to eat and I'm like well I wanted to I asked for a cider and she said well we don't have cider but we have this other beer with orange in it I'm like what a beer with orange in it and she's like well you'll like it you'll like it and I'm like no, and then, you know, the Hooter girl smiles, and I'm like, just like the girl at the airport, I'm like, okay. So she brought me a Blue Moon, of course. and they stuffed a ton of oranges in it, and that, like, set me on the path of fruit beers. Yeah. So that was my crossover time. That So I'm going from a, you know, a, a waitress in London hooking me on different ciders to a waitress at Hooters turning me on to fruit beer. And then that evolved into, I had a friend of mine, the company I work for is based out of Gaithersburg, Maryland, which is close to Dogfish Head. There we go. And right behind our office was a uh, Dogfish Ale House. And he's my friend. I had no idea who these guys were. This was like um, probably about 2006, 2007 nice. now. Okay. Just, they were just opening mm -hmm. up, getting yeah. started. And he says, come on and meet me for dinner. And I go over there and met him for dinner, and I'm looking around, and I, you know, I'm kind of feeling comfortable. This is kind of nice. Yeah. And I asked the girl, I said, what do you have for fruit beer? Like, well, the only thing we have right now is it's a beer called the Fort with raspberries in it. And I'm like, so I wasn't, she says, well, it's a little expensive. And I'm like, I was dressed pretty ragged. I was like, man, I got an expense account. I don't care. <laughs> so she brings out this, this bomber of a uh, Fort. How much was it then? Do you remember uh, the, the price of that? The, it was 25 bucks for that bomber. Oh, really? In, okay. in the, in the restaurant. Yeah. Okay. Um, so not and you know, I didn't know what it was. Right. And, brought it out and that right there was my pinnacle of this is you know i'm going from blue moon to a fort the holy shit moment of uh, yeah, yeah and i'm like yeah. and then all of a sudden i start looking around and we're having dinner and i start looking at the taps and i start wow what you know what else could this do and um went back a few other times you know and I stuck with the fort and then I start getting into their other fruit beers. And then I kind of got on this, like everybody does, you know, dogfish head kick, yeah. uh, which slowly climbed into, um, which leaded me up to our next, uh, gateway. We were, um, here we go. 
So we get into it and I start getting into um, old school and you know the the pinnacle back then was trying to find the 120. There it is, right. Um, so I was up in, um, I think it was 2009, 2010. But you knew what 120 was by then, right? No, well, at the point I knew what the it was. Hype. Yeah, you but knew I knew the hype. Yeah. yeah, I knew the yeah. hype, but I haven't had it. Right. So I was over in, I was back up in Washington D.C. and I had a long weekend, and I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, I'm driving to Rehoboth Beach, three and a half hour drive. So I drove to Rehoboth Beach and I'm like, I'm going to the original place. And I, I went down there. I probably spent, it was probably about a 10 hour day, um, less of driving. There were six hours of driving in there. So I hit there about lunchtime and they just happened. It's when they were having problems with their yeast strain on the 120. So what they did is they went back to the Rehoboth Beach and they, they remade their 120 again to go back to original recipe because 120 got off track and I hit it right at the right time. They were just tapping a, a 120 from a recipe from like, like 2004 or something like oh, that. Wow. And I just, I'm like, and it was 18%. Um, <laughs> so I sat there and I'm having lunch and I had a 120 and, um, How was it, dude? Oh, it was beautiful. beautiful it right? was it was like drinking liquid cotton candy with this nice, oh. just this flowery bite at the end. Yeah. It was it was beautiful. I Everybody mean, listening right now is like, oh, damn him, my God. Yeah. Like, they want to pick your brain right now. And um, so I sat there and had one of those, two of those. And now after <laughs> two 18% beers, I'm like, well, you know, I got a three and a half hour drive back. What do I do? So I go down and I walk the beach. I walk like two miles. I walk back and forth and come back. And I'm like, I sobered up and I'm like, they had some old school from uh, like 2003 or four. And I'm like, so they bring out vintage beers. When you go there, they'll bring out a vintage beer like 10 years ago and you can get a bottle. So I sat there and I drank those. And then they had another, <coughs> excuse me. So I'm sitting there drinking the old school from way back. And um, then they had another beer on tap called Tongue Volley. Or um, no, Bricolage. It was called Bricolage. Okay. My beer was called Tongue Volley. <laughs> um, Bricolage, it was like um, five different malts, five different hops, and three different yeast strains. And they called it Bricolage because it was a whole bunch of pieces put together and it looked like a brick wall. That's how they came okay. up with the name. That's a good name. <clears throat> and they, when I tasted the beer, your tongue was chasing it back and forth. This flavor, that flavor. And I just fell in love with that beer. And um, anyways, I'm getting off track here. Um, but that brought me back down to, I'll continue back on. We'll come back to the bricolage oh, here shortly. Um, but that brought us up into, you know, getting onto the dogfish, you know, getting hooked on the 120 and not being able to find the 120. And then it was, uh, Carmen just got a reminder on the phone today of six years ago today, we were up in Maine on our 15 year anniversary, wedding anniversary. Aww. So we took, was it three weeks, two weeks? We flew into Boston, you know, we went took the beer tour we went all the way up into maine um found some dogfish found some fort i found like six bombers of fort in this little hole in the wall um uh, beer store in boston got an actually 120 dollars parking ticket <laughs> buying the fort uh came out we were in there for like 10 minutes came out had a 120 dollars ticket and um but we drove up <laughs> it's quite amazing yeah so we went and, you know, did all the touristy things. We went and had a beer at Cheers and, you know, and, um, you know, I love that. and, um, we were driving up in Maine and 
taking the fort and eating lobster and getting dogfish head. And we stayed in, um, it was in Booth Bay. We really liked Booth Bay. And Booth Bay is where Sam, they had their summer home where he grew up in Boothbane and you could go to Dogfish Lane. We walked by his house. I got a picture of me with Dogfish Lane, the road where the name came from right, and all yeah. of that. And it was the last week of our trip and there was a sign, the first annual Matt, uh, Maine Craft Beer Festival. Oh, it's over. There you go. And I'm like, well, we got to go. Yeah. And, um, and then I went and researched it and Sam was going to be there with a keg of 120. Oh, shit. So, so this is your this is your holiday. Yeah. yeah. So he brought uh, Witch's Brew and um, the 120. Um, and so Sam Calgillon served me my mm-hmm. first 120, and I have a picture of it. Yes, me and him standing together, me holding my 120, and it was the greatest. You know, it was just really great to see that. And the funny part of the story, Carmen's going to kill me for this one, <laughs> and everybody's going to hear this. So we were talking to Sam, and Carmen was like, why can't we get 120 in Florida? We're in Maine, and we're like when are you coming to coming to Florida? And he was leaving. And, you know, at the end of the day, everybody was drinking and we were walking around and we said, bye, Sam. And Carmen said, wait a minute, Sam, when are you going to get that 120 in Florida? We wait. She just blows up on him. It was funny. I said, Carmen, stop. You don't not yelling at this guy. And um, he turns around and he starts laughing and he goes into this marketing mode thing. And we're, I'm like, <laughs> we're standing there looking at each other, you know, this PR correct marketing. And we're, you know, we can't get it in here. And Carmen, no, no, I don't want to hear this. When are you getting it into Florida? <laughs> so she went off on Sam Calgione on uh, so not great. getting it. But it was a great moment. He went away laughing. And You're this, probably in a chapter <laughs> of his book. You know that, right? <laughs> so this was in, I mean, six years ago. So we're talking 2011. Yeah. Well, in October of 2011, um, I found I got on the Dogfish Finder, and in Ocala, we um, I found out there was 120. A case of 120 got to an ABC in Ocala, and I like told Carmen, "It's like we're going to Ocala." It was the first place in Florida, and um, so we went up there, and I went in, and I says, "Well, how much of this beer can I buy?" you kind of know it was you know you're only supposed to buy a couple and share i'm like heck no i'm not sharing 120 with anybody i'm the first one (laughs) in the store and the girl says well buy all you want i'm like seriously and i'm like okay so i bought a whole case of 120 at 12 dollars a bottle and i was and i had the whole store looking at me it was quite a surreal moment i remember this this is i'm getting into this is a turning point of how i got to here yeah so I bought this case of 120. It was 300 bucks. I had this audience. People were clapping. I mean, it was like they didn't know what the beer was, but the some Rocky idiot song is yeah, in the background. But some idiot just spent 300 bucks on a case of beer, and I'm laughing, and I knew what it was, and you know, and I walk out the door, and it was an October night, clear sky, full moon. I'm the happiest person in the world. I'm walking out about halfway to my truck. I'm just elated. I got me a case of 120. The other half of the trip was, what did you just do? Like reality set in that somebody could drive you, could make a beer that could drive you to do this. Drive to Ocala, spend 300 bucks, get a night in a hotel, take your family to go buy this beer. And on the other half of that trip to my truck is, I could do this. Why can't I do this? And then that was in October of 2011. And then that led me into, I studied for about two months. And in February of 2012, I brewed my first beer. Two months. Yeah. So that, that okay. few months I brewed my first beer. Yeah. And um, 
Then so it was I, the 120 something you were always aiming yeah, for? Yeah, I always shit, shot really. for the, I liked the higher alcohol. Once I got hooked on dogfish, you know, you're, you're drinking the Fort mm-hmm. and you're drinking, you know, the 120 and yeah, you're, you're drinking the Worldwide Stout and, you know, and then you're mixing the, I mean, the best one was Heaven and Hell, uh, mm-hmm. which is yeah. 120. I had that, they poured it for me up at the, uh, yeah, I had Heaven and Hell. That was great. Um, and then... So evolving into making my own beers, the story of getting into there, I went to Southern Homebrew in New Smyrna Beach. Mm-hmm. And I walked in, I'm like, I want to make my own beer. I've been studying. I want to buy, buy the kit. I want to start out the Betty Crocker way. How do you do it? And I walk in, but I'm like, okay, I like this kit. My first kit was a, uh, it was a Falconer's Flight was the name of the beer kit by Brewer's Best. And it was a 7% beer, about 70 IBU. And I'm like, well, that's great but these numbers are too low. I'm like, how do I crank up the ABV? How do I do this? And I'm questioning the, uh, the clerk at the homebrew store and I'm going on and on and on. And he was kind of a stickler. He was one that really, he kind of revved me up a little bit because we got did, into an well, argument. Did he want you to build it? No, he exactly didn't. Exactly as that? No, no, he, 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 he want wanted me, you make it the way this guy exactly. said to do exactly. it. Exactly. And I, that just pissed, pissed me off. off. It pissed me off, and I yelled at him. I says, how do I do this? What, do it, what does it take? I want to raise this 7% beard to 10%. What do I need to do? Oh, he got mad and mad, and I kept following him around the store. I still remember the guy. <laughs> kept following him around the store. How do I do it? How would I do it? And he finally got pissed, and he says, you put some of that malt extract in there. Well, which one? And I start going, and I says, well, how much to raise it 1% alcohol? You know, I, I knew a little bit. He's like, well, you know, just buy a couple of them, put them in and see what it does. Well, now I was like, okay, well, I got past him there and I'm laughing. And well, uh, 70 IBUs is not happy enough for me. I want more. What do I need to do? I said, you have more Falconer's Flight that comes in the kit. That's hoppy enough. No person would want to drink a beer more hoppier than that. Oh, geez, that just, again, he set me off. So I turned that 7% Falconer's Flight into a 10%, about 120 IBU beer. I'm like, I want to create, you know, like I said, that dogfish-esque feel. And that was my first beer uh, that I created, you know, was made out of frustration. That's awesome. And then I made about, I made six kits, and each one of them, I was kind of going through my notes today where you guys are studying up on my past. Oh, that's awesome. Um, So I went back, the first six beers I made were, were kits, I wrote them down, they were all 7 or 8%, but every one of them when they were finished were cranked up to 10 or 11%. I just picked them up. And getting close, to, I made six kits, and getting close to this, the end of the sixth kit, um, I felt restrained. You know, it's like you're following somebody else's instruction, you're doing what somebody else tells you. Um, the simile I come up with is like you're learning to skydive, and you're the dude strapped to the front of the other guy pulling the parachute. No, yeah. I want to be on my own. And that's what it felt like. So within, on June, it's been June of 2012, so we're five years ago, I brewed my first all-grain beer. Okay. Um, and that just opened me up to anything and everything. And which one was that one? Do you remember what you um, called that one? That one, I'd have to go back and look. Yeah. Um, I, I remember my first all-grain attempt, I think it was. Um, I think it was more of a, it was just a big blonde beer I was doing. Okay. Um, I've never been one to follow styles. Um, coming into, you know, I learned to brew. I taught myself. Um, I never learned anything about BJCP, BJCP styles, pale, what's a pale ale, what's this. Mm-hmm. I was so far above all of those beers. I'm like, why would I want to make a pale ale? I would never drink it. 
So everything I made, if I can't drink it, I'm not going to make it. Okay. So everything I made was 10% higher. Um, you know, pushing the 70, 80 IBUs. Mm -hmm. um, I started to really enjoy malt, the complexities of malt. Uh, once I got into it, once I got past the first few kits, I had a lot of hops. And on my first few beers, I was really reserved on hops because I didn't know how much, you know, one ounce, what does one ounce do in a five, five gallon right. batch, yeah. you know? So I was really reserved and I start going, wow, malts are pretty complex. And I go back and, you know, well, this was a honey malt. This is a caramel malt. And I started, that evolved me into specialty, you know, getting into specialties. Like I explained, the, you know, our grizzly honey, which we can go into later, yeah. um, doing a honey malt. Uh, beer, you know, making the honey. How do you make that flavor profile shine without becoming nasty tasting? Right. Um, and caramel and graham cracker and you know, getting these flavors out, and that just kind of evolved into where I'm at today. You have one called the Experimental IPA. Um, you haven't made it in, well, from what I know, you haven't made it for years. One of Carmen's favorites. Uh, uh, do you remember Experimental? Car the Carmen's Brew. I think is that what you were call calling it? it? Yeah. Um, have you ever made it since? She's you... mad at me because it's not on the board. So oh. You... Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I haven't made it. Um, <laughs> when I opened up, I went with my heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, Carmen's Brew was one. It kind of came out of. It was in between being kicked out of the kitchen because her and the kids were yelling at me because the house stunk on every brew day. <laughs> and um, so I made a beer for her. It's like, okay, if I'm going to make her happy and continue, I have to make her something. So she likes chocolate and coffee. So I, I did a, a chocolate and coffee. It was more of a, like an IPA-ish and she liked okay. it hoppy. So it was based on, you know, I used a lot of two row that's used in pale ales. So I used a lot of, it was kind of like a pale ale I turned into a stout, okay. but kind of converted into an IPA. And it just, and then I added some Giarelli uh, bitter chocolates to it. Um, so just a small amount and everybody loved it. It really took off quite well. Um, what was the ABV on that one? Do you remember? Um, I know it was pushing 10, <laughs> 10, 11. So she was really happy. Yeah, no, she <laughs> likes the, she's a wine drinker and she likes the big beers. Yeah. She's a hoppy person. I'm a multi person, but we both in common, if it's not over 10%, you know, any brewery we go into, that's the first criteria. What do you have above 10%? And we go from there because you know, something made, you know, in 10%, you got a lot of time and care into it because they're very expensive to make. They're time consuming and it's just not something you're going to throw together. Right. So, well, we talked about beer. We talked a little bit about uh, wine, but now we got to talk about pizza. So I think this is a good part where we pause because we actually at a, almost a halfway point and we have not touched a beer yet, <laughs> yet. So um, let's go ahead and pause and uh, our own little intermission for us. And then uh, we'll come back with some pizza and beer. Is that good? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I hit record even though um, bring those wings right here between us. Hey, what was the first thing I taught you when doing this? What? Is um, never bang on the table. Uh, <laughs> oh wait, guess what? You're getting up. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> oh, okay. You want to do it? <laughs> we thought. What are we hell? recording? Yeah, we're recording. Might as well. Hey guys, it. I'm on. I'm on air. Who are you? It's Who Jeff. Okay. Brennan. So, Brennan, as you may know me. Know. Yeah, we know. You know what's funny? I don't know if you ever saw this. Someone actually messaged us with like, hey, Brian and the Quain, or like Brian and Quain. And yeah. I was like, that was really funny. Well, it's because Brennan sounds like Brian. It does. I guess. All right. So I'm going to try that uh, 
trying the, the Happy Bohem. Bohem? Happy Bohem. Bohem. I think you should too. Yeah? All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, so some food is in front of us. Um, there's one thing that I know Brew Pop definitely takes uh, pride in, and that is the food here. Oh, that's and good beer. I can tell you right now. Happy Bohem. That's delicious. Okay, so we're going to need some. Yeah, we're going to try the barbecue wings first. Yes. So here you go. Um, I don't mind if I do. I, yep. I, I love myself some uh, some food, so this belly doesn't just come from me being pregnant. Okay. Mm. And I'll tell you, that is... No, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. he uses beer in pretty much all of his food. Mm. Okay. So I'm fairly certain that the barbecue on this wing is uh, beer infused. Malt infused? We're going to have to have him tell us about that. Right. And um, um, I got to say, uh, where we are, and now I want to know more about where we are, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Aubrey if you are not eating these wings... Yeah, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. When I'm driving up, the first thing you see is like the Dollar General, then you're seeing a Pizza Hut, then you're seeing a KFC. Uh, I, I don't really think we picked and pointed out a lot of places around here that are like mom and pops, but this... Okay, you're getting a brewery. Mm -hmm. You have a tap room here, yep. right? You have your winery, and now you have these fucking wings that are. Yeah, yeah sick, these are out of control. Sick, good. These are amazing. Oh, oh my! <laughs> what is More this? coming in. And then we have uh, pretzel bites coming yep. in. So these are the so. um, these are the beer pretzels we make with beer malt. Okay. And then the beer cheese is made also with the beer malt. Um, this is okay. A little warm. They just came up. You got it. Um, this is, ins oh my God, the pizza's over there. Um, we need a picture of this just to mm -hmm. see what this beer counter yeah. is. Okay, so for people that, and really quick, for people that do order like this, how are they not taking up the whole bar? We are, <laughs> I mean, we really have. So this is what's funny to me yeah. is we've taken up the whole thing. So, yeah. uh, all right, this time I'm gonna pause correctly. Uh, yeah, I'm amazed by this food already, so. Talk, well, but you can taste the complete, it's one of those beers that, it's like we're, we're running. Oh no, but he's running. I just wanted to run. I, I no. just started. As soon as you sat down, <laughs> I was like, I didn't play again, record again, because um, and the pictures are going to be all over the place. Like we are going to show on Facebook and Instagram the feast that we're having. Um, so let's let's talk about something really quick. Uh, where we are. Let's talk about location. We've been living here, so the idea was to build here, to open up here. Well, I. When I moved here, I moved into the area. Yeah. Uh, originally, this spot was the largest country bar in Central Florida. Okay. Uh, JR's Country Bar. Yeah, we kind of laugh that me and Carmen used to come up here and, you know, come up here and go dancing and wear our cowboy boots and then you come in the parking lot and relieve yourself. So where <laughs> we're sitting now, where my brewery's at, we used to, uh, <laughs> before we go home, we'd yeah. relieve ourselves and still drink beer here. Yeah. Um, but we moved probably about 30 minutes south of here. Uh, one of the criteria when we were opening a brewery was, you know, we didn't want to move. Um, you know, we contemplated a lot of things. I mean, I even contemplated moving back to Michigan uh, due to the lax laws. Uh, Self-distribution, they were given tax incentives and everything to breweries. And I'm like, well, kind of fun to move back home. But I was gone so long, you kind of can't go back home right. and okay. reconnect. Um, but we kind of chose this place in Auburndale. It's a half hour from the house. Okay. Um, it was a business, uh, it was a former restaurant, so it came finished yeah, uh, it with a lot be, of things. Yeah, right. so it saved us quite a bit of money and time. So does, now when we were kind of saying as we were driving up, 
you know, it's like there are the KFCs and the and the Pizza Huts and the, the oh. The, it's yeah, Auburn. That. It's it's a Florida city. Oh yeah, Auburndale is yeah very. Are they getting this? Does Auburndale get what the hell? No, these it's, wings yeah. probably the best that you are going to get Central Florida or hands down in Florida. Like I would drive the hour and twenty minutes to get another one of these. Your mm-hmm. beer cheese is hands down the best that you will get in Florida, and this pizza. Every now no, and we you know we took the intermission. Uh, the pride that you were taking behind the bar talking for that 10 minutes of just the food alone. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. This yeah. is amazing. It's it's a little tough. I mean, Brewpop opens, you know, my brewing style is, like I said, my brewing style. It's my creation. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's sometimes a little hard for people to connect and come in and go, where's your IPA? Where's your pale ale? Where's your stout? I understand that. Oh, yeah, I want a pizza. Um, you know, and they're used to the local, you know, we... Uh, when we opened up, there was 12 pizzerias in Auburndale. Um, so we opened up with wood-fired, natural, you know, trying to be farm-to-table. Um, going back to, I'll bounce back to our trip to Maine six years ago because it was really influential to us. Uh, we went to a farm-to-table pizzeria. <clears throat> and this, we still remember, we, I think we would just go back just for this pizza. And if that girl was working there, she was amazing. So they had a wood-fired pizza in the middle of this. It was a craft beer bar, farm-to-table, wood-fired pizza. I mean, a true wood-fired pizza. And this thing was probably eight foot around in the middle of the restaurant. And we're sitting there drinking, uh, like, a blueberry beer, a blueberry wit. And um, I think you were having a wine or something. And we were sitting there, and just everything was so fresh, so good. And everything on the wall, well, these tomatoes came from this farm and this came from here. They let you know where, and we're like, this is so great. And that was one of the things, you know, like if we open a brewery, you know, it stuck in our mind. When I opened this place, I'm like, we got to have a wood-fired pizza. And we got to do, try to be farm to table, which is kind of hard to do in Florida. It's still a burgeoning concept in a lot of places. Um, But we struck out and... You know, but our, you know, our pizza, you know, a lot of people in the area compare it to the local chains. And we don't, Not at all. we don't use the spices and the sauce and the salt. I mean, you know, we get a lot of complaint. There's no salt in it. Can you, I mean, you picked out the flavors of the yeah. sausage and, the, exactly. and everything, but the salt kills everything. So I refuse to do that because I know why they do that. And, you know, I'm a business owner. Hey, if I threw in two tablespoons of, sp- two tablespoons of salt more into that, you'd be drinking another beer. But I can't do that. You know, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't like that. I go to a lot of places and you, by the end, you want to have your blood pressures up, you know, another 40 points because they want you to drink another happy hour beer. And I refuse to do that in anything that I do. I got to be honest. A lot of people, when they meet Brennan and I, if we're out, we're having a bottle share, we're talking. Guys, the next question you ask us is not what's your favorite beer or like what's your favorite brewery. Guys, ask us when's the next time we're going to get food at Brew Pop. And you're coming with us, like honestly, because <laughs> this is so good. This yeah. is so good. This is yeah. We like, kind of your beer cheese, hands down, is insane. It's wonderful. And you said something about cayenne pepper being in there. You are doing something that is not your beer cheese. We mentioned another franchise is kind of beer cheese, and mm-hmm. you know, probably just yeah. I mean, well, you know, I mean, we're can opener. You know, what's the most popular beer cheese on the internet is Miller Lite and Velveeta. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, right. I mean, okay, that was the parties. first one I stumbled across, and I'm like, I just, I, I'm, 
when I was studying to make beer cheese and I just laughed so hard in my entire life. I mean, I, there's nothing about that that's beer cheese, you know. And um, <laughs> I mean, so I mean, you research, yeah. it's there, you know. That's so funny. And but honestly, I want to like drive out here and like if I know I'm going to have a what ails you, you know, uh, fantasy football draft party, I'm coming here to pick up beer cheese for everybody. It just is... There's a lot of food, and you took pictures, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. That, that wing, hands down. The, the mojito wing? That you, the lemonero. It's lemonero. So yeah. what is in this one? So, Carmen, this is like your so mom's it, recipe? It is, braised, it is brined uh, in like a mojo kind of thing. Okay, yeah. And then the lemonero sauce, he, he makes that. Okay, so yeah, it's, that. it's made from real lemon concentrate. So lemon, lemon juice concentrated down to the thickness of honey. Um, agave sugar, you know, jalapenos, habaneros. Um, and a few other spices in there. I think we do use, uh, that one is, a lot of it is, you know, agave sugar. We use a lot of amber agave sugar here. Um, you know, I refuse to make, you know, simple sugars, you know, simple syrups made with cane syrup, you know, like a lot of places do. Um, you know, and like I said, with our, the barbecue sauce, we use um, Belgian candy sugar, which is a beet sugar, which is phenomenal. Um, it really took the, you know, the barbecue sauce to a different yeah, level i mean just adds that little bit because any beer if you go up and you know you drink a beer and oh it's got belgian candy sugar in it you know especially in the darkers you get into the the 120 the 90 level of the belgian candy sugar you start pulling so many flavors out of there it's unreal and the simple side of it is like silk it's almost like drinking liquid cotton candy it's really phenomenal the the clear the first stage of the belgian candy sugar is really nice all right so food here uh, we kind of talked about Armandale a little, and we're going to get back into it, but uh, something that I want to try first, um, we're going by numbers right now, and that's the 12, 13, 14. We're going to talk about the, the Green Swamp. Uh, explain that a little. Yeah, what, what is Green Swamp, and why are we have three, three of the beers named after it? The Green Swamp Ale is a, a beer I conceptualize by being here in the Green Swamp. Uh, I wanted to make something in the area of Florida. Um, I lived on the edge of the Green Swamp, used to four-wheel drive in the Green Swamp. Um, and then being here in Auburndale, our water comes from the Green Swamp. So I thought it'd be nice to have a, a beer called Green Swamp. So I visualized, a, you know, kind of like you're up in the Green Swamp and you're looking down at the water, you see this, you know, murky cypress water, which is a reddish, reddish brown. So I took a red and a brown ale, uh, combined them. And then I wanted to do you know, three different versions because you have, you know, with the drinkers, you have, we get a lot of people in here that don't like the IPAs or like the okay, slightly bitter pale ales. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not into the, you know, West Coast or East Coast IPAs, you know, 90, 100 IBUs. It's just, they want something drinkable. So I, I came up with this one of the, one of the batches I call Peel and Gator Skin is my higher IBU. Um, and that's it, the one we're going to yeah, right that'll be the one you go. So that's yeah. probably, I think right now it's, it might be pushing 70 okay. um, IBUs on that range if you have to put a number. I don't really do a, you know, a test on them. It's just kind of you go around and here's, you know, taste somebody that said 70 and compare. And what are you um, drinking over there? What are you drinking over there? Um, I'm having the Haughty Boheme. Okay. Um, yeah, well, we'll get to that well, one. That's a 10%. You, so right. dude, I got to tell you, this, this is a spread and thank you. This is oh, unbelievable. No problem. Appreciate it. So... Here we go. Oh. So when I made this one, the peel and gator skin, I kind of named it peel and gator skin because it was going to be pretty hoppy. 
Um, this mm -hmm. one does have a little bit of age on it, but it's aged very well. It's not, you know, one of your IPAs. I think I made this in February. Okay. So it's pushing five months old. I mean, for an IPA, that's, you know, after three months is kind of death uh, to an IPA, but I, I think it's holding very well. It is. Um, the way I made it, the, the way I uh, made the beer with, uh, I used high alpha hops early in the boil, but when I dry hopped it, the percentage of hops I used in the boil, I used the opposite percentage as when I dry hopped it. Okay. With the same, I dry hopped it back with the same hops. Um, so, in, and then uh, to make it a little more green swampy, I went up into the green swamp and pulled some cypress bark off a tree and actually put in, it's only like a pound. I mean, but a pound of cypress bark was quite a bundle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually put in a pound of cypress bark during the boil. Um, and um, I had a couple of, I got a friend that picked out a woody character, but I, I can't pick it out. But, uh, okay. but I, I think it was more just kitschy than anything, you know, to be, if you're going to call something from the green swamp, Make it you, green swamp. Make it green swamp. Yeah. If you're going to do something, do something. You know, I was going to put, I was going to venture into like pine needles and pine cones and I got scared and I'm like, no, that pine oil might be detrimental to some of the brewing <laughs> equipment. And I didn't know what it'd be like. And I, I just had the, the thought of why not put cypress bark in there. I thought that would be a lot of fun. My friend, uh, Joey, Joey Nix, he kind of makes, not makes fun. He actually said that I, he, when he listens, he feels like I am Charlie going into the chocolate factory. Mm -hmm. uh, Joey, this episode is for you because I feel like this Willy Wonka is sitting next to me and we <laughs> have the honor of having the best time in the chocolate factory right now because you are doing everything of that. You are, yeah, not, you are not making a Hershey's. You're not making a, a no, Nestle. That's, You're not making a Mars. Yeah, that's boring. I mean, yeah, you know. You are making your you own. You know, you can, I mean, when we were doing our brewery tour, I mean, I started out this way. I'm like, why do I, why do I want to make something I can lock, walk into the local beer store, convenience store, and pull off the shelf? Why do I want to make a duplicate? You know, it's like, why do I want to make a Pilsner? You know, if I want a really good Pilsner, I'll go get a PBR. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've been doing very well for forever. I mean, you know, and, um, you know, and if I want a lager, I'll go get somebody. Why do I want to recreate a beer that somebody's been doing it for 80, 100 years, 200 years? Why do I want to do that? Well, you know, we also say duplicating. There's nobody else here in Auburndale doing this, obviously. Is mm -hmm. there another brewery here? Or you, well, or there's you? Florida Beer Company. Oh, that's true. Um, but but they're commercial. They're commercial. Yeah, right? they, they so, make, uh, yeah, polar no, beer. I want to say, for me to drive here, this is where I'm going. Like, the, the, mm -hmm. I don't there's, like nothing. there's any other for no. 10, 15, 20, 20 Yeah, 15 20, miles. 20. Yeah, there's yeah. one in Lakeland and one in Winter Haven. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah honestly, I, I think it's ballsy that you say you don't want to duplicate it, even though there's nobody else doing it here. Mm -hmm. And But I still think at the same time, anybody who's coming in enjoys beer. You have 48 taps. Yes. So you're going to enjoy something. Yeah. You are going to enjoy something. Oh, yeah. There's there's the soda for the kids. There's the, the wines and the beers are... It's incredible. Oh, yeah. It is really incredible. Yeah, last night we had a, a family of four come in last night. And the first thing that sat down, they were brewery people. They were brewery hopping. And they sat down and looked, and their son was with them. He was like seven or eight years old. And my server, a really good server, Will, uh, yeah, he'll thank me for that. Um, Actually, but the first he, time I called, Will picked yeah, up the phone. Yeah, so yeah, I will. Yeah, <laughs> um, but Will, uh, the first thing Will did was... Uh, got this little boy a flight of sodas and they were just Over the kid the got yeah it's like and the and the father says we've been to breweries everywhere and not one place 
has they ever been able to do that? And we've had a lot of people come in. We had families from Denver, and they had like four kids, and all four kids had flights of sodas, and they were all, so rad. you know, and you know, like I said, you you appeal to that. And we've had adults come in and just get flights of sodas. Right, sure. You know, sure it's it's yeah. a lot of fun, and you know, that was like I said, when opening the place, sodas and wines and ciders were something you know you need to have. You yeah. know, just it it just rounds the place out. It you know, it plus it's another creative outlet for me. You know, it's like we got a soda up there called Crazy Monkey. Um, yeah, it's it's coconut and banana. Okay, yeah. well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I mean, you know, it's just coming up with, you know, it's another creative outlet. If I can't brew, I want to make something else. I'm doing yeah. ciders. I'm doing everything else because it's, you know, you get stagnant. You know, you just want to make something else. But it, it's really interesting when you branch into wines or sodas, how that. A lot of that reflected back. I'll let you try one later. It's called um, uh, Stumpy Stole My Cherry. Yes. Uh, that one there, the, the process in making that one, I used a lot of my wine processes in that. Really? Um, that so when the beer was finished, you know, there was a lot of um, uh, ways to kill off the yeast or, you know, make the yeast dormant that I learned in winemaking that I brought over into beer making, which I know, you know, for the you know, the experienced beer brewer, it's nothing to do that, you know, if you learn, but I kind of learned from doing this. And then the method of making sodas, percentages, you know, like when you want a mango taste, how much mango do you really need before it turns perfumey or it's not enough right. not to taste it? And that's, that's a delicate balance, you know, and I learned a lot of that in soda making, like how much vanilla and how much sugar and you know, and I would take my refractometer and how sweet is Mountain Dew, how sweet is Pepsi, and I'd my refractometer <laughs> and start testing commercial sodas, and that's how I would gauge my sodas on sweetness. What's your favorite soda? Um, Where are you from? Your own, but what's your favorite soda that you would say, if I could duplicate if, a soda out in the market? Like, I mean, out in the. If, if you're going to a 7 Eleven right now, what are you drinking? I mean, it would go back to a cream soda. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Brown's, that's mine. Dr. Brown's um, cream soda. We grew up, um, I can't remember the name of the, uh, we had a, uh, a soda place. They made a lot of craft sodas growing up. Um, I can't remember their name, sorry, um, in Michigan. And it was part of my dad's. It was at the distributor. They used to distribute it. And he would bring home cream soda and grape and raspberry and oranges and uh, orange cream and a Fanta. It was oh, okay. early stages yeah. of Fanta. Um, so they had a cream soda that was phenomenal. Yeah. And the cream soda I make here... Uh, is made with Belgian candy sugar and Tahitian vanilla beans. It's actually really nice. It's uh, nice. raw, uh, raw Belgian candy sugar, so it's unrefined nice. uh, in the powder form. Um, really nice. Turned out really well. I had a lady in here like a year or so ago, and she came in uh, with her boyfriend or something, and she sat down and said, I want a cream soda. Um, gave her the cream soda, and she started to cry. I mean, like this is one of the things when you open a business, you start to cry. And I thought, well, her and her boyfriend are having a fight or something. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, crap. I, inv I invoked something. I'm going to get in the middle of this dispute. And um, once she's, you know, calmed down a little bit, she says, this brought me back to when I was five years old with my grandfather. And my grandfather and I would sit on the back porch and have cream soda. And she says, this is exactly like what he had back then. And it invoked that memory. And it's one of the things I remember in here. And I've had other people say the thing, you know, you, you know when you create something, you don't think, you know, you're going to create something that, you know, you either invoke hate or you invoke love when you make something. 
And, um, but that's one of the, you know, one of the memories that sticks out to me in here of, you know, the appreciation when somebody starts crying and, you know, yeah. you, you invoke a memory like that. It's pretty, pretty that. cool. Yeah. So, you know, my ratios were right and somebody remembered that and the root beer, um, I do make a root beer, um, but commercially it's kind of hard to make. Sassafras root is a known carcinogen, okay. uh, but we had some school kids in, uh, earlier this year, I had 50 school kids in, I taught them how to make soda. Uh, so you made like a little soda? Yeah, so we had a, um, yeah, we actually had one last Friday too. I had oh, 25 out. kids in. Um, so what we did is they come in before opening. Um, so they were having Florida, um, I forget what it is, like Founder Days, uh, Florida Cracker Days. So we made a root beer from, so they wanted to go back. We made a root beer. I got some of the um, sassafras root. I used dandelion root and birch root. A um, little bit of vanilla, and we made a root beer right here, um, right here in the middle of the brewery, and showed them how to make it. And they put the roots in and the sugar. Uh, we made a orange cream soda, so we got some navel oranges. They zested the oranges. We juiced them. Vanilla used a little bit of uh, lactose, okay. um, you know, that they use in beer to yeah. give the cream flavor. And I'm like, well, that would actually work in soda. So I used some of my beer making skills to make the cream part of it and put it in the soda and it turned out great so what does one have yeah. to do to sign up for that like is this something you guys do regularly would you know they just they just like called in has to call group gather kids yeah to do well it? It, it was the first one was from a teacher he was a regular right uh coming in and he thought well this would be great you know you, you yes. don't bring minors into a brewery I, it was really <laughs> we didn't talk about you know there was a little kid in, uh, he was a kindergartner. What's a tax determination tank? That's where we put the juice. Don't worry about it. You know, it's like you're in the middle of the brewery trying to teach soda and the kid's going, actually, we had tax determination. What's that? What's that? He was like, what is that? I need to know. He was like getting mad and I was trying to ignore him. <laughs> it's like, sorry, I can't no, talk about mind. beer. I can't talk about beer. But the, um, Dennis, the first teacher that came in, um, yeah, we had two days. We did it for two days. That's I made awesome. the soda twice. And then the kids, uh, the pizza, we would let them go up and stretch their own dough and made their own pizza. Um, and they came in and they did it for two days. We had the group on Friday was uh, kindergartners and a couple of first graders summer school. And we brought them up in teams of five and they spread their spread their dough and got to put their sauce on. They made their pizzas and yeah, they had a great time in the soda. They were zesting the oranges and, you know, taught them how to do it. I mean, it's it's really a lot of fun. You know, I. I like to teach. It's like one thing, you know, knowledge is the worst thing if you can't share it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, being a teacher is, you know, and teaching people or holding something like that. I really like it because the kids were like, how do you make soda out of an orange? And, you know, it's like, because they're so used to walking on the shelf and, you know, and they'll look at it and they'll go, one kid complain, it's not orange. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. We didn't put red dye number five in here, um, you know, to make it this color. And, you know, we didn't put all these other chemicals you're used to. And, you know, the teachers were kind of skeptical, too, but they tasted them and they were like, they were floored. You know, a real root beer, if you have a real root beer, is the most phenomenal thing you can ever have. And um, it's just great. And making it from fresh oranges, you know, and like I said, if our sodas, if you want to try those, that mango is, you know, it's it's really pretty good. And But it takes you back, you know, like you said, I think there's a craft soda um, establishment that opened in North Lakeland. Uh, more and more, I started reading about craft sodas. It's becoming a big deal okay. now. Awesome. Um, up on the East Coast. And I feel like a little kid just hearing about it. I'm drinking a beer right now. I'm well into number 13. The, 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 oh, the, the Marsh, Marsh Rabbit? Rabbit. Yeah. Yep. As, 
And I'm just like, man, I want a soda so bad right now. Like, my mom's probably going to be listening. That's my boy. But, uh, so evolving into 13, so 12 was yeah. a peel of gator skin, a little hoppier. Used an ale strain on that one, more, more IPA-ish. Um, and then with the marsh rabbit, I used an English ale strain uh, with English hops. Um, you know, nice, nicely hop, maybe, you know, 30 IBU, I'm kind of guessing, um, you know, nice, smooth beer, uh, rounds out really nice. And then the one you're drinking now, number 14 running Creek is, uh, based on a, you know, I started making these. I didn't know what they were until I studied and, uh, they're a California common. So using lager, lager yeast to ale temperatures and, um, then only using its no hops in there hardly at all. I used one pound of hops for a five barrel batch. That's it. That's it. So, and then I, then I think I did put, I put in one pound. I had a little bit, of, I used Cascade because Cascade's a familiar. It is. Um, so with this one, I went with that because that's, you know, most of your major beers are made with ca- Cascade and it's a familiar taste. So I only used one pound in the boil and I dry hopped with one pound. Okay. So I guess I have to say this in the intro because uh, we have not talked about your style yet. And uh, we're like, well, which this has been such an amazing episode of informative food, uh, soda, beer. But let's go. Let's talk about, because now we're about to get into the number, what are we doing now? 23, 24, 25, right? Uh, 22, 23, 24. So let's let's talk about the style that Brewpop is doing. Uh, Let's talk about it. Is anybody else doing it? And how did you come up with this style? Not come up with it, mm-hmm. because obviously it's been going yeah. on for hundreds of years. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't invent it. It's, you know, I mean, they used to do, you know, um, Egyptians used to do it. You know, it was in England. Uh, you know, the runnings, doing party guile, uh, which is an English word for using multiple runnings of the same mash. And that's what it's called, party guile. Party guile, right. yes. Okay. So, you know, back in the day in England, like the six runnings, the children, you know, back when they, before they knew what pasteurization was, they thought malt purified, running the water through the malt actually purified the beer, but they didn't realize, you know, that boiling was actually what, you know, um, well, good for us because, you know, if they'd have found out boiling water killed all the bacteria, we wouldn't have beer today. But, you know, thank you for, for, not, <laughs> for not knowing, yes. Thank you not for your, your learning curve, which took about 6,000 years. Thank you very much. Um, but it, it evolved out, out of... You know, just when I started to brew my beer, wanting 10 and 12% beers, and when you went to all grain, you learned that there's still a lot of sugars left in that grain. And if you continue to rinse the grain, you can get another beer. Well, if you're brewing at home, you know, you're spending six hours brewing to make five gallons of beer. Well, I can spend six hours of brewing and make 15 gallons of beer and, you know, make lighter versions. And I started finding my lighter versions, the third runnings, were appealing to my light mm-hmm. drinkers the that's mass what, market drinkers yeah ask, and that's how happening? that yeah that's yeah. what evolved there i made it i have a friend you know strict miller light drinker right. i mean die hard to the end of day and i would make beers and the ones i experimented on on him were no hop beers i would actually put in like rose hips or dandelion root or something a little bit you know just to, a taste yeah like just a taste yeah. and he started to he was like wow this is great and that brought him up so that's where my third running beers, I call them my crossovers, um, or my, as a lot of people, as I probably should have put it in the early days, clone beers, uh, because they're watery, they're light in body. Um, you know, the flavors, you know, might be a little bit, you know, for the lighter beers might be a little too much, might not be enough. 
Uh, but I get a lot of people that come in and go, I don't like fruit in my beer. Well, try number 21, which is Golden Sunrise. It has mango and apricot in it. But it's so faint, it just adds a little back tone to it. And they like it. Um, you know, but it's, you know, it's a crossover beers. And then, you know, I learned about Party Guile after making beers. I was okay, doing so it. I didn't know what I was doing for the longest time. Yeah, no, I just, I'm like, I read about it. Oh, there's more sugars in there. Before I read the second paragraph, I was out there making another beer and rinsing it, and I was making it. <laughs> and finally, you know, fifth or sixth beer, I stumbled onto Party Guile yeah. and what Party Guile was and then researching it. And, you know, that's your Belgian Trappist beers yeah. um, is Party Guile. But there's only, I mean, people who intentionally do it. But, you know, besides the Belgian, I think there's only a, you know, a handful of Belgian Trappist breweries in the United States. Um, there's one brewery in London that does Party Guile to this day. They've been doing it for 500 years. Um, so and they'll blend. It comes in. Party Guile is an art form because sometimes you have to blend first and second it is. runnings. It sounds and, like it is. Yeah, yeah, it's quite an art form on how you do it. Um, I heard... Rumors of a couple other breweries want to open Party Guile in the United States, but as far as I know, I'm less than a handful of breweries in the world that like, actually do this style of beer. But doesn't it sound like something? I mean, now, and apologies to any brewer that we've already spoken to that's listening, uh, that if you have done it, so I'm not saying maybe yeah, you, but well, I, I, I think you're our first. And probably well, I'll in say, Florida might be our last. I mean, a lot of breweries do party guile. I mean, they'll make a big beer and they'll do second runnings. Right. I mean, no, no, exactly. people do it. But my brewery is intentionally set up Based to brew party guile. So I can't say, you know, I'm the first one. No, I've done right, it. No, a right, lot of, lot of right. people have done it. You know, they've done party guile forever. Like I said, everybody knows there's a lot of sugar. Why throw it away? You know, a lot of breweries, well, we'll make a beer and it's for employees. But... Like I said, Party Guile, I've had a lot of, I've talking to a lot of other brewers and they'll come, I'll tell them what I do and they'll come back to me and they said, we made a big beer and we tried your Party Guile and it turned out like crap. And I'm like, well, there's, you, there's, there's a time, a, temperature, there's, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't apply the standard brewing principles with your temperatures to Party Guile. And you gotta, like I said, you gotta have a feel for it or a taste for it. Like I said, I'm constantly tasting the wort coming off the grains i'm constantly checking the gravities and then that will help develop the beer that comes out into the end because like i said i'll mix my first second and third runnings in the boil kettles before they're made a lot of them mix them after um so you know it's it's one of those things you got to have a vision or what's in your mind of what it should taste like what it could taste like and then you put it together and see what happens because you don't know and it's it's something very hard it's you know party guy is something hard to duplicate it's crazy um, that you know, thought of it. Like, you could get close, but, you know, I could make it one time and, oh, shoot, I put an extra 10 gallons in where I last time I stopped at 10 gallons. I started taking better notes <laughs> as I went on. The first few beers, I'm like, I really expected to dump my first few beers open in a brewery. Um, you know, I took pretty good notes at home brewing, but once you open a brewery, I had to relearn how to brew, you know, on the equipment and everything else. So Party Guile took in a different dimension. Actually, I'm getting better efficiencies out of my professional equipment than I was at home. So I'm like, wow, I got more beer than what I used to have uh, based on ramping up my homebrew recipes. And that really changed right there. And then the flavors changed uh, to where I would flavor like the second runnings at my homebrew. Now I just flavor my third runnings okay, because yeah. they get a little light in body. Um, we call it the, the finish. Um, you know, when you, when you have a drink, you're looking, you have your, you know, your aroma, your taste and uh, your nose and everything. But when you finish, you want that nice finish. When it goes down, you feel uh, the okay. beer finished off. Sometimes third runnings don't do that. I call it the cliffhanger. 
it's like you you decide to go up to an edge of a cliff and you decide to jump, but you can't fall. Oh, I like that. Right. right. That's yeah. what it feels like. You you drank the beer, but it's like it doesn't go down. And then, so a lot of times I'll add, you know, like Golden Sunrise. When I tasted it as the wart, I'm like, this is light in body. It's not finishing. I could tell before, okay, let's add a little bit of apricot and mango. And when we tasted it, when it was done, it gave the finish. It gave the finality yeah, of yeah. that beer yeah. to give you that whole thing. Because I've tasted a lot of beers and you're like, where's the finish? You, you're waiting and you can't get to it. Why didn't this happen? Or... And so I pay a lot of attention to that. And my wines are the same way with um, Swirled Strawberries, if you guys wanted to try that one. Uh, that one was a blend of, I like my wines, I blend. Uh, that's like a Mel Blanc, a Shiraz, and a Pinot Noir. Uh, so I blended three different grapes together. And when we tasted it, when it was being made, it was really great. But it didn't have the finish. We were like, we, le- we were left hanging, we were waiting. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I got some strawberries in the back. Some, I got to have something. I was getting a hint of strawberries out of them. I went back, dumped in a gallon of concentrated strawberry juice, mixed it up. We got this big paddle in there, mixing it up, took another <laughs> drink, and we're like, there it is. There it is. And it just, so I've, it's always been something I've looked for. Um, it's, you know, if you're going to do something, you have to finish. Yeah. And um, it's always something I've really paid a lot of attention to. The nose is easy. You know, the sweetness or the bitterness, those are easy. But that finish and the, that little ah moment at the end where, you know, it smooths on out is, it's kind of difficult to get. And, you know, it, it's, it's a challenge to get that sometimes. And what do you use to get that finish is hard to do, you know. So let's talk about Bud. Because I got Bud in my hand. You got your my got, favorite one there that's yeah. the biggest name controversy and. Do you want to talk um, about the controversy of Bud? Yeah, no, I yeah. don't care. No, I've yeah, already let's do it. outspoken. Yeah. I, I am not shy. You will find that out. So if, if, so, if your Bud had balls, that's what's in my yeah. hand right now. That's what's in your hand right so now. So this is a 10, this is really quick, this is a 10.4 uh, ABV, and we're going to go down the ladder as we, we drink these. So explain it as I sip it and explain the story. And uh, yeah, I'm excited so to So the this. story behind this one, I wanted to make a, what is it, a Roush beer, a, a smoky beer. I made one before, it was, uh, you know, cherry wood, uh, smoked cherries is what I called it. And this one I seen, this was a beechwood smoked beer. So it was, uh, it was, um, the, the grain was smoked just like you would, you know, uh, that's, that's the, the cold one. one you mean? A warm one. Okay. Okay. Oh. So, sorry, got off no, track. Did you give him a cold one? Give them, a, give them a cold one so they can taste the difference. Okay. Um, so this one evolved from, I just seen the malt and I thought, well, I got to make a smoked beer. And that was the only interesting smoked beer I could get from a wholesaler. Um, so I, I ordered it and I made it. Like, well, I want it to be a 10% beer. So I party guiled it. I made first, second, and third runnings. Yeah. Uh, very light on the hops. I wanted the smokiness to come through. Um, and when... You know, I made the first one. The original name was Big Beachwood. The second runnings now here is called Good Beachin', and then we have Light Beach. Um, and um, so when I made this beer, uh, I made it. Uh, we were tasting it in the fermenter. It was really, you know, it was really good, a nice smoky flavor. Um, and at the time, I was the distributor I signed up with was a Budweiser distributorship, and we were getting into spats, and they weren't treating me the way I was wanted to be treated. Um, as many of our, you know, 
breweries in Florida are yep. going through hardships exactly. with distributorship. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there watching a commercial one day about this commercial of, you know, how great our beechwood aging is and our beechwood this and piles of wood chips flying all over the commercial. <laughs> and I says, man, if your butt had balls, it would taste like this beer. And that just kind of summed up everything for me. Um, but this beer is really interesting from when, I mean, you guys are now tasting it when it's coming out of the tap at about 39 degrees yeah. versus we've had one sitting here for about an hour. Um, the, Which is in my hand right now. Yeah. And the profile, when you taste it, it'll start, it tastes just like liquid beef jerky when it warms up. I'm telling you right now, there. it's like as if I had a liquid beef jerky, but I'm still kind of like having a cherry in the background. Yeah. Like there's that, mm -hmm. oh, this yeah, is. Yeah, that, that little woody character in the background, and it's yeah. it's nice. But when you taste it with the CO2 and it's at, yeah. you know, at temperature, it, I think it does, um, you know, it's, it's really a disservice to the beer to chill it. I mean, I've had a lot of beers when I chilled them. I felt, oh, no, 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 no. I, I've drank, you know, when you drink your beers, you're making the beer, you drink the wort, you drink it out of the fermenter, you're tasting yeah. it, you're drinking it. Exactly. And I've had many beers, you know, that were on this wall. I know, oh, gosh, I don't want to carbonate this. I don't want to chill it. This is a beautiful beer. And you put it up on the wall, and, you know, a lot of people love it, but oh, I had one called Big Red Rye. And um, so it was a red beer. Uh, it was about a 10% red beer. I put a touch of rye in it. Um, like it was only like four or five percent of the grain bill very small little bit of rye I thought it'd be kind of cool to have a you know red rye bite um, it was a beautiful beer um, but when I put it at temperature I was like oh this is horrible yeah. I couldn't drink it I mean it was my favorite beer. I was like drinking it out of the tank That's so crazy and um, but when I chilled it it was yeah, right but you know it's it's one of those things you start learning with craft beer is temperature and that kind of got into Carmen's a red wine drinker you start learning a lot about temperature and red wine and how temperature affects the red wine and that kind of evolved from my experience of getting into the wine um, helps with the temperatures and everything yeah. Um, I kind of laugh. I have to say this because everybody, <laughs> I have to get into this. When I first opened my brewery, I was really temperature conscious. I was, my, my cooler was, I did all this testing. My cooler was like 39 degrees in the back. Came out, hit the tap, hit your glass. By the hit, time I hit your glass and got the table, it was like 48 to 50 degrees. It was like, that's where I want my beer drank at. Right. Oh, in this area, you frosted mugs and oh, horrible people mugs. getting God. people temperature was my biggest complaint yeah uh, if you go back and look oh i i just got i couldn't take it anymore so what i did is um i had to bring in my ac guy and we cranked the temperature down now my cooler's at 36 degrees okay. so i lowered my temperature about three to four degrees and all of a sudden everybody quit complaining the complaints went away on everything and then the other thing that I did is, I don't know, I'll show you guys the, our glass rinsers. I actually have a keg of water in the back. So I run from the tap to a keg of water in the cooler and then bring it out here. So when we rinse your glass, your glass is, is rinsed with 39 degree cold water. <laughs> so we drop the temperature of your glass because I refuse to do frozen mugs because. Hey man, uh, no, don't, yeah. you don't have to no, no I'll tell you, on that uh, one. I'll tell you that story <laughs> when I'm done here. Everybody should um, know that. But when we did this, so now the funny part is I have to say this, I'm going to probably get, uh, lambasted by this but somebody will come in and say you know what's your cooler temperature you know craft beer cooler you know they'll come in and go what's your cooler te cooler temperature I'll go it's at redneck temperature and they'll look at me funny 
and they'll go, it's at the temperatures when the rednecks quit bitching about warm beer. That's so good, though. So, true. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I say it all the time. I'm not shy. No, but it really, I mean, it, it, um, it really, you know, just lowering it, and yeah. it stopped. And yeah. people are taken off by that. But it's true because the, you know, the people that are looking for temperature and come in and complain. I mean, I got a one star review because I didn't have frosted mugs, and I got into kind of a debate with the lady. Um, she was sitting in here, and she just snapped because I didn't have a frosted mug and I got mad you know it's like this is my place and you're yelling at me here I didn't open this place for anybody to you know customer service customers always right no no customers wrong a lot of the times and I'm one that will tell somebody so I confronted this lady and I says you want a frosted mug and you want the lightest possible beer you can have I says do you understand what the frost is made of on that mug and she looked at me funny, and I said, stand up a minute. And I says, look at over our sink over there. What does the sink say? It says, it says, wash, rinse, and sanitize. I says, it's against the health code to re-rinse the glass to put it in a cooler. It has to have sanitizer in it. So I says, that little floating ice cube that you so deeply want that you're arguing with me with about is partially sanitizer. So if that sanitizer is something you need to enjoy your beer, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And she just, she was beat red and didn't know what to say. And she gave me a one-star review. She went off of that and just lambasted me. But uh, I confronted her and told her, and I yeah. tell a lot of people that, you're drinking sanitizer. If it takes a sanitizer ice cube to enjoy your beer, I'm sorry. That's disgusting. You, it's, it's gross. And they yeah. look at you when the, that, yeah. that moment of realization, when they realize that, they they kind of freak out when you tell them the truth of what you're actually drinking. Which is sad about, yeah. uh, uh, like, you know, we should be trusting you. Mm -hmm. If I'm coming into a tap room like this, I trust you. You yeah. are the one making the beer. You're, it's a science. And now not only is it the Willy Wonka, you are becoming this Bill Nye or like an Alton Brown, like you, yeah. you, you know, like Mr. Wizard of it. And it makes so much sense. Like it, it is, I've never done a frosted mug. I never yeah. will. No, like, no. Even at home, I will not dip it into like you know pour water and I put in the. Oh no. No, no. no. Like I, 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 as much as I like my beer, and never really did the science of it. I've always understood it. You just don't mm -hmm. freeze. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's why you go to a brewery. I mean, coming back onto you know, like you said, you come into a brewery, you trust the brewer. Yeah. And that's a you know, like I said, in the area, that's a hard point. Yeah, yeah, no, we talked yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean, but when you yeah. come into a brewery, you know, a lot of people come in. I had one guy walk out because I didn't have Bud Light in bottles. Walked right out the door. And I'm like, well, you go into a brewery. When me and Carmen were brewery hopping, we're like, you go into the brewery and you look at the wall and you go, you talk. If the brewer's around, you know, I learned to talk to the brewer. Sometimes the servers don't know too much, which is sad to see sometimes. But you walk in and you go, I want this beer. And I'm like... I was over at, um, where was I, Angry Chair a few weeks ago, and the bartender, he recommended this, uh, it was like a lime saison cream something. Sounds about right. I'm like, yeah. I want that. Yeah. And he, he kind of realized who I was. 
Okay. I was like, nice. you know, I was a brewer. I didn't announce my, I, when I go into a place, I never so say you, I'm from a brewery. Should, I'm a brewery. Never do it. Absolutely don't do yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, as you should be I paid for it. I paid for a drink. And of course I paid with it with my brew pop credit card. And he kind of caught on to who I was. And I'm like, well, I want something different. And he's like, I don't think you want that one. I'm like, yeah, I really want to see how messed up the brewer was thinking on that day, what he thought was going to be good. And if it didn't turn out good, I want to see that. I don't yeah. care if it's good or bad. I want to try it. I want to see what was going through their mind. And when I go to breweries, I do the same thing. You know, every brewery I go to, it's like, I don't want your best common. Ups. I yeah. don't want your best. I don't care if you won best of show and, mm-hmm. you know, wherever you've won the GABF and your best of show. I don't, I don't want that beer. Good for you. You know, you made that beer 150 times. You perfected it. I want what you're thinking on Saturday morning on a hangover and went, yep. what the heck is this? Yep. Because that's where inspiration comes from, and that goes back to your better beers. But that's what's fun about going to a brewery is give me something of what the heck were you thinking. Yeah, and we, we talked about when we got here the inspiration of the board uh, being Ardwolf. I feel Ardwolf does that, and when we mentioned Ardwolf, mm-hmm. it's almost like, what the hell were you thinking that day? Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's yes, as you yeah. should. Yeah, yeah, Ardwolf, you know, I love seeing what Kevin and uh, Breben, like what they do there. Holy cow. And it, it is that a lot of breweries, I think, try to play it safe. And now I love seeing, that's what we do. We want to pour us the funkier, the better. Mm-hmm. Like when we come in, that's what we want to do. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and yeah. learning here, like with this flight, you know, the six that we have here, now I'm going into the good beaching. Mm-hmm. You know, now I'm down to an 8.4 when it was that 10.4. Yeah. Now I'm an 8.4. Now this, um, yeah, now this one balanced out really well yeah. uh, with the smokiness to the malt. Yep. It balanced out it's really still, well. Smokiness is still there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. So, but it's this one's a little more. It's a little balanced, balanced a little better. Yeah. It's so this would be true. what somebody, if they walked into a regular brewery that didn't do party gal, this would be the beer that yeah, they would exactly right now. We're pretty close to what they would have. And then let's get into the light beach. Let's let's talk to him. So, um, and then this one is a four point two. Mm-hmm. Now I guess I could bring this to the beach and be fine. I could drink this. Yeah. It's a sessionable beer. So the, the maltiness is, is dropped on this. The smokiness right. comes out a little bit more. But this beer here is probably one of our more popular beers. It is very light in body. But when somebody very comes light. in and says, I'm a light drinker of this, and you can smell smoke on their breath, I give them that, and they go, this is the favorite beer I've ever had in my life. And it, I started stumbling on that. I had a group of older ladies come in, mature ladies, shall we say. And they were not having, they were just, they came in and my server gave them all the 10% beers. I'm like, you don't do that. And they were all unhappy and mad. And I went over and I talked to them and, and I started talking to them. And one of them went out and had a cigarette and come in and start complaining. Did you take her seat? Did you sit down with them? I I, can see you doing that. I was sitting here. And, um, and, um, (laughs) so she came back and they were all, and she was one of those ladies, you know, I've lived long enough in life. I'll tell you what I think and what I want. And I don't care about you. And I was just, and then I, I, I kind of reflected on what she was doing. And me and her were going back, and we were getting into it, and we were having a good time. And I walked up, and I gave her this beer. And she says, God damn it, why didn't they give me this beer in the first place? I had to go through this other crap that I didn't want. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, it's kind of funny that, you know, but craft beer drinkers will come in with this one, and they expect it's very light in body. It is very light in It's body. watery. It's heavy in the smoke. But it's one of our more popular beers with that crowd of people. And, but it's not a beer I would drink, you know. Um, anyway, you also talked about blending when we got here. 
Would you blend anything with this? Like we, we got into mm. some things of blending. No, right? Yeah, it's not with light, the smokiness. Right? Yeah, I mean the smokiness would be very okay. tough to. Yeah. You can't really blend much with it. I did, uh, like I said, the last one I did, it was a cherry wood smoked malt. Mm -hmm. So I added uh, cherry purees to it. I kind of went with the cherry wood. Coming from Michigan, I grew up in a lot of, we used to smoke fish with cherry wood and stuff like that. I, that was really reminiscent. Is that like a northern thing up yeah, there? Yeah. Really, is it? Yeah. Cherry wood. Wisconsin over here. Yeah. So. Cherry wood smoked uh, fish and meats is very good. Yeah, cherry yeah. wood's very nice. Um, so it kind of brought that back. But this beech wood, I don't think you can... I don't know what you would mix with that one. I just had to kind of let it go. Um, that makes sense. You know, yeah. so, you know, like I said, I, I had to have a light beer. You know, it's just one of those things. It's just the shot in the dark, see what will happen. But, you know, you make a beer, somebody will like it. You know, it's, it's anything. When I found out in the, my upcoming of craft beer, uh, I had an epiphany one night. We were at one of our tasting parties. And I had people complaining about a beer. Well, I didn't like this and I didn't like that. And other people going, I love this beer. I love this beer. Greatest beer you ever made. And I'm like looking around and it really caught me. This was before we opened a brewery. So I did this experiment and I took 10 people. I gave them all the same beer and listened to them. Two of them would love it, want to go into business with you. Two of them would swear to God you tried to poison them. And the ones in the middle would go, yeah, this is all right. Maybe I'll have another. And I did it with another beer, and I did it with another beer, and I did it with a wine. And I was finding the same results, the bell-shaped curve. You know, you go back to, yeah. you know, economics and, you know, statistics, the bell-shaped curve. Um, and it happens with every beer. Uh, you know, like I said, the one you're drinking on, um, you know, we get a lot of people, uh, a lot of people saying, you know, this is the worst beer I've ever had. It's overly smoky. There's no body to it. And I'm like, yeah, but I got five-star reviews and it made this little old lady, smoker lady happy that she was ecstatic. It was the best beer she ever had. Yeah. And it's, you know, when you, when you make beer, it's, it's really open to a lot of controversy. Always. And yeah. a lot of people don't understand that, you know, I've had people come in and go, your beer is bad. Like, no, my beer's not bad. It's not to your taste. Right. And that's the hardest education to pass on to anybody, you know, is why I'm bringing this up. We have, if you look at my board over there, up top, you see that mouth hanging open. Yeah. yeah. And um, that has to do with uh, taste profile and temperature. That has to do with temperature. Uh, that's a study from MIT based on sugar water and temperature and sweetness perception. And then I have other ones on your taste versus this. We have right. to, when somebody comes in and complain, I'll walk over here. This is from MIT. Don't take it from me, the guys at MIT. MIT. Yeah. Okay, you know. And, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of having a brewery or doing a craft beer or trying, you know, like what me and Carmen came up with is this is our own style. Yeah. Um, we're trying to develop. I mean, you go back 500 years ago and stouts didn't exist. Porters didn't exist. Right. They were building their styles. Yeah. And today we see them as commonplace. But a lot of people think, you know, if you walk into a brewery, I should have these 12 staples and I'm like, no, I'm, you know, we're trying to do our own thing, like butthead balls. Yeah. I mean, how many? The word, the word crafting. Yeah. 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 It's a craft. Yeah, exactly. You're going to build it. Build, build, build. And, and that's where uh, actually the next question is going to be, and this is as we're closing up the interview, is the future, the future of brew pop. So if we keep crafting and crafting and crafting, what do you see the future of uh, brew pop being? Well, where we want to go, I mean, right now where, where we're at is it's a tough crowd. 
I mean, it really is. I want to kind of drop down. What I'm planning on doing is dropping down to my, I want to get my homebrew system up and start going small batch again. Yeah. Huh. Um, going crazy. Um, you know, I want to, I'm still not, it, it's kind of tough to be the brewer I want to be um, in this area. Um, like, like, are you your your own toughest critic? Are you or? Um, no, no, not really. Okay. No, I mean, I kind of throw it out there, what's going to happen. You know, it's like going in mom's closet, throwing a bunch of clothes on the dark and walking out and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, it's really it, you know. You don't know if you're wearing your dress or your dad's underwear. You don't know what you're doing. You know, does it work? Does it not work? Yeah. Um, you know, I try to, like I said, I try to bring out a flavor, um, you know, whatever it would be. Um, you know, like I said, the smokiness or cherries or something. And, you know, um, doing it, you know, doing it my way that I think would be different. Because one thing that disappoints me is you go to place after place and, okay, I'm on my sixth brewery and you have six IPAs like the last people did. I'm sorry, we'll, we'll use these kind of hops, big deal. It gets kind of boring. And, you know, I've been to a lot of breweries. It's kind of sad to see. And there's many that's closed down yeah. that, you know, they sit there stagnant and they try to be safe. And, you know, I'm, we're out there a little farther. I mean, brew pop's a little far advanced for a lot of people. Um, you know, that's... For this city? Do you for feel this, like this city? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, the whole... Yeah, the city and the yeah. area. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're noticing a lot of things. You know, when I opened, I studied the area. Um, you know, I opened up with a lot of intentions. You know, brewing the way I did, I had a lot of, you know, before I opened, you know, a lot of people really receptive to my beer. Everything was good. Um, but when you open, people just wanted IPAs, pale yeah. ale, wanted a stout. You don't have a stout. You don't have a Hefeweizen. Um, so, I mean, we met that part by, you know, we met a lot of resistance, tremendous amount of resistance by not having the staples, you know, which was opposite of what a lot of other breweries go through. They only have staples yeah. and they went the opposite direction. But, you know, I just feel this, what I'm doing here is fun. I mean, it's different. It's beer. Give it a break. You know, I mean, it, it's simple. So what if it doesn't have 90 IBUs and it doesn't taste like you're not using Citra and Mosaic? Because that's what everybody knows. No, no, I like Hot Tower and, um, you know, many of the other hops that smell like herbs. Or like yeah. Herbs or like, oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. Yeah. It's like, you know, the, the hops I used in my bitter right arm are piney mm. and grassy. Yes. There's nothing citrusy about them because that would contradict what I was going for in the beer. I, you know. It, it just wouldn't work but there's so many other flavors besides orange and grapefruit yeah. and it's just boring that people come in and that's what they expect I mean I understand that's what you like and you don't want to deviate but here try this hop try this one like we went through with the green swamp ales you know there's completely different hops in each one of them that give a different flavor and a different IBU level and some have you know like I said no IBU beers are really fun yeah. um you know, and it, it's just, you know, you would think in this day and age, creating your own style and coming up with your own way would be widely acceptable. Would be embraced, right? It would be embraced, yeah. but it's it's pretty tough. You know, like I said, it's pretty tough around I here. I just feel if you're going to a Total Wine, an, an ABC, or even just your local Publix, I guarantee you've only tried maybe 10% of all those beers there. Yeah. That's because you're used to what you keep trying. Mm -hmm. You're right. It's beer. Enjoy it. Have fun. Yeah. We, that's why we sit here, and that's why 
we're doing an hour and a half with you. I think it, this is the longest <laughs> I think we've ever, we have. Yeah. And there will be a disclaimer, but I say right now, <laughs> um, good. I've learned a lot. And you speak onto what ails our level of saying, educate, inform, and make it yeah. fun. Make it tasteful. Make it amazing. And yeah. I, I, I want people to drive out. Take, take that drive. You're not really far from Tampa. It's a little longer than Orlando. But you have pizza that is comparable to something that you would get on Park Ave in, in Winter Park. Your wings are hands down the best wings here in Florida. There's so much love in it. And that beer cheese, fuck it. That's, that's just that beer cheese is unbelievable. Your beers, you have enough here of the sodas, the wines, and the beers. You're doing your own style that you accidentally found out was a traditional style yeah. for hundreds, hundreds of oh, years. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, you have you have something amazing and I really yeah, honestly hope that. people yeah. start to hear this and go, let's go, let's just go. It's a Saturday. Let's go. Let's go for yeah. the day. Yeah. No, that's what it's about. It's fun. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just fun. fun. It's a, it's an adventure. And you can tell. Yeah. So I mean, if you want to, if you want to drink, you know, you can walk down local convenience store, pull something off shelf, go back home, pop in a movie and, you know, sit there and yeah, drink yeah, what yeah. you want. But, but yeah. you know, but like I said, I tell everybody that's what's fun about a brewery. You know, a lot of people are converting over. You can come in, have a taster, fill a growler, and go home and finish it. You can take that beer home. Mm -hmm. That's what's, you know, part of the education of a brewery. You don't have to sit there and drink four or five. You know, you know the being the conscious about, you know, drinking and driving and everything. I tell that. We promote that a lot in here. Hey, if you have one beer and fill up a growler and go home, I'm the happiest person in the world. That's awesome. If you sit here and have one beer in three hours and you enjoy it, I'm the happiest person in the world. And, you know, I... I understand those people that come in and do that, and we try to promote that. I mean, that's one thing a brewery can offer that you can't get out of a bar or something else. And you get, like you said, that adventure of, you know, what that beer tastes like. Like you said, the, the butthead balls, that one. That beer, you guys tasted it as it was cold and then warm. I tell a lot of people, you come in here and go, this beer will not taste the same from, okay, I said, I'll come back, and you tell me you're drinking the same beer 20 minutes from now is what you started. And people look at you funny, and they're like, it's the same glass. I says, when that beer, cradle that beer, let it warm up, yeah. and I'll come back and talk to you. I says, but leave a little bit. And they're still skeptical. And like I did with you guys, we brought out a cold one right out of the yeah. tap so you could taste it. And I will give that to people and go, what beer did you start with? And they'll yeah. start, no, this is what you started with. Taste this. They're like, this is not the same beer. So the adventure through the glass that you have, even if it takes you an hour, is a lot of fun and that's why i like the beers that i make complex beers um i'm a malt forward brewer i like using a lot of grains uh like i said my bitter right arm that one has like 15 or 17 different grains in it as it warms up the You're beer will change yeah. and you get fighting profiles yeah. of you know taste and to me that's a lot of fun i've gotten complaints it's pretty funny one guy came to me and says your beer's too complicated I'm like what is it good and he says <laughs> he's i says is it good and he says yeah but there's just it's too much going on i says well there's only seven grains in that one and three hops and i'm like and he he was like it was too complicated he wanted to enjoy it but he couldn't because he couldn't focus on one point yeah. but that's the most amount of fun i mean yeah. that's what i like doing this you know it's like i said it's been one of the things i've been criticized for um, I'm not ABV shy. I'm not oh. malt forward shy. <laughs> I tend to be a little on the sweet side, but the sweet side is due to lack of hops 
because I want the malt to shine through. That's so cool. The way you because do it. hops is, you know, I tell everybody another simile I use is you go to Ruth Chris, you buy their six month shelf aged, cooler aged, prime rib, whatever, beef cut, greatest one, pay $120 for it. Do you pull out a bottle of Tabasco sauce and dump it on that steak? You wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. But that's what people yeah. do with beer. You're hiding, you know, to me, the best part is malts. I mean, they're, they're, they're really a good adventure. And, and using multiple grains, like I said, you get different flavor. And then you learn to complement. Yeah. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. And, you know, I'm not, you know, like I said, everybody's into their hoppy stages right now. Um, their fruity stages. Well, fruity stages is happening. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And, um, you know, I'm kind of, you know, when I like to do fruit, I mean, you tasted my cider. They were yep. pretty fruit forward. But when I started out, you know, I, I love to ferment fruit. I love the fermented fruit. But when I opened up, I said I had a raspberry beer on tap. And you get a nose of raspberry and a finish of raspberry, but it wasn't sweet. And you didn't have the big raspberry burst over the tongue. But it was a nice hint of raspberry. And that was my first learning lesson of you know, when you go commercial, if you say there's something in a beer, they're, they better pick it out. Yeah. And that kind of, it was kind of sad to me because I had to, you know, like I said, going into my ciders, I had to give up what I enjoyed and a lot of people enjoyed is fermented fruit, getting the essence of the fruit, not the full force, the baseball bat of that, you know, mango coming at you. Um, you know, I, I really like that, just that subtle hint. It should be complement to the beer, not overpowering. Right. Which is sad when people go out and I want a mango beer. All they want to taste is mango. They don't want to taste beer. I'm like, well, you might as well put mango. Go have the mango, have the mango soda. Yeah. yeah, have a yeah. mango juice. Have a mango soda. Don't waste my beer by covering it up with mango. You know, and that's what, you know, but a lot of people are doing that. Can't knock them. You know, it's a trend. And, um, but it wasn't the trend, you know. It has become. Yeah, it has become the trend. And it's kind of sad to see because, you know, a lot of people are right now in their craft beer experience are drinking juice. I mean, I figured this out the other day. I'm calling it the Kool-Aid era. Um, you go in and you buy a Kool-Aid. It says cherry. You go home and make it and it tastes like cherry. And I find that a lot in here is people come in and your beer doesn't taste like you say. Yeah. Well, no, because I want it to be a hint to the beer. I don't want it to be the beer. Yeah, you want the beer to be. Yeah, beer. and right. yeah. yeah, and that's fun if you have to search for it. I mean, the funnest thing I had as a brewer, you know, it's like being a magician. There you, you know, go. where right. where's the rabbit? In me, I would put a flavor in a beer, and pass it out to people and say, "What flavor is it?" Oh, it's it's banana or it's passion. Yeah, I'd get all these weird answers back, and I'd sit there and laugh, and I'm like, "Oh, it's mango." And that's not mango. No, they're mangoes from Key West. You know, Key West mangoes, I love um, the Key West mangoes. They're just phenomenal. Um, but if I made a beer, I found this out using mangoes. You got the Mexican mangoes. Uh, uh, my favorite mangoes from India. Oh, I love the mangoes. They're phenomenal. Yeah, okay, I didn't even know. Um, and, um, but when I was making mango beers, I made like three or four of them. And I would never tell anybody was in it. When I made the mangoes from South America, used the mangoes from South America in a beer, everybody goes, that's a mango beer. But if I used the, uh, coming back to the Key West, the champagne mangoes. I don't know if you ever had a champagne mango. You have to have them. I mean, probably, oh, I'm probably born in Miami Beach. But yeah, they're small yellow. They're, okay. Yeah, they're beautiful. I put them in a beer, and everybody's like, 
couldn't guess it was a mango so we had to start bringing mangoes it's like taste the mango and then taste the beer and they would get it but you know it's it's just one of those things when you use fruit you got to make sure you use something that's familiar to everybody and um you know and that's that's kind of hard to do so you know i've had to give up a lot as a brewer coming into the commercial aspect you know you got to pay the bills at the end of the day but you're having Um, fun but yeah i mean yeah like i said you're i'm having fun um like i said the next thing i want to do i got kind of inspired by going back to my pbr days but i want to create a german czech pilsner i'm going to take three or four styles of pilsner and combine them i just don't want to make a czech pilsner which is great i want to combine three or four you know and take the basis for them because they all have a similarity on how they're made but i want to make a pilsner that's a you know a mesh of three or four like i did with my stout porter yeah uh, meshing two different styles um i had a beer up here actually i made i was uh, working with call it name dropping here uh kelly slater over in Cocoa beach he was op- he has a surf shop over there mm-hmm. and right when they were opening and right when they were opening up, the, he was in business with a person that they were doing a Cajun restaurant. They were going to do a weird concept. Cajun restaurant, surf shop, and a brewery all in the same thing. And I, I got kind of, we had a friend that knew Kelly that grew up with him. And I got involved, and I was taking beers over there, and we were doing something. And That's I'd, so rad. That's my era right there. So, oh yeah. So, yeah, um, I grew up with that. So I was taking over a bunch of beers and tasting, and I developed a beer for him. And I, I developed a beer... Um, which was a lot of fun by talking with him. Kelly, um, he loved to surf in Mexico, Australia. Uh, Cajun, his friend was from New Orleans, uh, grew up in New Orleans. I'm like, well, if I'm going to make a beer, you guys want a concept for your brewery, let me do something for you guys that's connected. Yeah, of course. So I created this beer. I took uh, Dos Equis, and I took a Bita Amber. So you got a Vienna lager and a Munich lager. And I took those two beer styles, and I clashed them together. I turned them into a 10% ale, I used Australian hops, and I used an English ale strain, and I mashed them together, and I came up with the name. I called the name. I'm like, what am I going to call it? So, and I called it Unleashed. It, what happens when you're on your surfboard and you're tethered, yeah. and you become unleashed, yeah, and you, you and your board, yep. mm-hmm. and you become unleashed. So I came up with that, and that was one of my more popular beers. Um, so I, you know, meshing styles, coming back to it, you know, meshing styles, I'll take two or three different styles of beer and then blend them together. So I took two lagers from two separate parts of Germany, used an English ale strain, cranked it up to 10%. And it was just a wonderful beer. And um, the other one you guys haven't had that I'm drinking here is Haughty Boheme, which that one is, um, if you want to give them a little taste. Um, yeah. yeah, hoppy bohem. Um, that one derived out of I like uh, using Pilsner malt. And I stumbled across a floor malted bohemian Pilsner malt. One heck of a, one heck of a name. Uh, floor malting is a special process to bring out the sugars in the grain. And I just love that. I fell in love with that. Yeah. And this one here I turned in, it's 80% of the grain bill. So I took a Pilsner, turned it into a 10.5% ale. And, you know, it's quite a twist on it, and it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of flavor going on in there. Um, it's got a little bit of residual sweetness, um, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, when you can take a style that everybody's kind of used to and change it dramatically, yeah. and it's a lot of fun. It really is. <laughs> You're doing great. So, all right. 
I'm going to taste it. I'm going to hand it over to Brennan. And I'm going to cheers you once more. Do you have oh, any left? Yeah. Yes, you I do. Left. Dude, Jerry, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, thank you. How are you feeling? Oh, this was good. awesome. Yeah. I feel like we, we sat here for like a whole day. It's like, <laughs> just keep drinking beer. This is what we We're want, though. We want, we want it to be like it's a whole day of just beer well, drinking. So the, so the best part about Mondays where you guys called me and said, you know, we only do interviews on Mondays because that's when the brewers have free time. Well, the funnest part, of, you know, when we travel, breweries are always yeah, closed smart. on Monday. So the best part about owning a brewery is, what breweries are open? Oh, yeah, our brewery's open. We have a key to the front door. So, <laughs> yeah, that is true. So That's for true. us on a Monday, yeah, we get to go to a brewery, and, um, you know, it's, it's very enjoyable. Um, you know, because Mondays, like you said, are the only days off, and they're hard to find an yeah, open brewery. It's yeah. like, what was it? Was it last Monday? We, we finally got to see, we went up to play Olinda, the Bricks Project, and uh, that was... Yeah, that's yeah. great, right? Oh, yeah, uh, Chris at Dirty Ore, which Dirty is opener. Ore. Yeah, okay. and they're opening they're in Cocoa Village. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so. they're, uh, um, Chris used to work at Bug Nutty. Oh, okay. So they're a spinoff yeah. uh, several oh, of no. Bug Nutty. Bug Nutty so, awesome. Yeah. All right, guys, I thank you. I thank you. And uh, how are you enjoying it? Yeah, right? Okay, amazing it is. All right, again, here, handshake. Oh, no Jerry, you're thank amazing. You. Thank you. All right, I'm coming to do the uh, outro with you because you're right there. So. guys told you it was long uh but like i said goddamn like there's just a lot to be said and so we're back um in fact quain and i haven't really moved since you heard my voice last um but yeah, no. but no like we we finished this episode and we thought that there's nothing to intro like no. we don't need to set any expectations right. because my guess is 90 percent of our listeners also have no expectations a never been to auburndale no B, never had brew pop brewing. No. C, now, after listening, you've got a good reason to go. And you better get in your fucking car and go. Okay, so if you're coming to the... If you think about it, if you're coming to Orlando, uh, you're you're going to the parks, right? Mm-hmm. I felt like this was a theme park experience. Oh for my me. god, dude! It was. It really was. It was. Uh, here you are. You're not waiting in any lines, by the way. So <laughs> here you go. You're walking in. I expected beer. I had yeah. no fucking clue about these sodas. Yeah. Or the wine. Right. Or the food. Now, let's get into the food. Dude, I had no idea that pizza was going to be... This is some really good prepped up food. This isn't just like, yeah. okay, well, we have some wings. We have some... No, this is not Buffalo Wild Wings. This is not Hooters. This is the real deal Holyfield. Yeah. Like, they are doing food that I would put up there if I was going to Park Ave and I'm spending $22 right. on a pie of right. pizza. There's more love and passion into each individual craft at brew pop yeah then you find in most places that specialize and it's almost a little too scary yeah like yeah. he really puts so much love into it that yeah. if we don't go out there we are going to in 10 years from now go man remember that fucking greatest place right. i right. don't want that i don't want that no. this is one of those breweries that yeah i i can't believe this is one of those hidden gems the way that it's he speaks so... about about beer alone like let's just talk about the fact that he's doing this style right his party guy style that being his specialty and the fact yeah. that he just he just learned it and stumbled into it i think is so special it's kind of rad i mean he's got such a mastery of yeah. it and he he just thought to himself i should make beer this way and so he did and then he learned like this is a style with hundreds of years of tradition and so he refined yeah. it yeah yeah he just gets better and better 
It's so cool if you think about it. It's almost like a mastermind in a way. Yeah. It really, and then it's just like, oh, wow, I, I tripped and there it was. Yeah. And I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, Turns out he did the same thing with wine. Yeah. He did the same thing with soda. And then in the kitchen, you'd think this guy was a culinary mastermind. You'd think Jesus he, Christ. like, went to school for this stuff. Think about those wings. Yeah. Think about those wings. Yeah. I mean, they fed us. Oh, they, dude. They fed that us was well. a feast. That was, that, a, was, that was a what ails you first. Yeah, it really was. Um, um, <laughs> I mean... Look, we don't turn down beer. Obviously, we don't turn down soda now. Uh, we didn't turn down food. Um, it was amazing. It was like, amazing. So again, just just to reiterate the fact that we don't want an intro to this episode. No, and, didn't need and it. We we barely even need this outro, except for the fact that we both want to like just rave. Rave about exactly. Them, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you really have to experience this place for yourself. Exactly. And bring people. It's yeah. better that way. It's mm-hmm. not just if it's a date. Okay, but the people around you, you you are going to probably get the Auburndale locals. Yeah. Uh, so it's not really you're thinking a four-star like restaurant. No, you are going to get the locals there. But if you bring people with you, if you're making a day trip out of it, you're going to have fun with that experience. You yeah. guys are going to talk, um, over-talk with each other. You're going to compare each other's beers. Uh, and the way he does flights, I think it's just, there is this punk rock fuck it attitude that I, I really appreciate it, where it's like, you want three, you want four, you want five, whatever. Just fuck it. Fuck drink it. the beer, drink, drink, drink the beer. Want. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Um, here's another thing. You can not only bring like yourselves and your fellow beer drinkers, but bring the wine drinkers and mm-hmm. bring the kids. Like bring the fact the that you can get your kid a flight might seem a little like, oh, that's weird. I don't know if I want to give my kid a flight at a bar, but it's soda. It's cool. And they won't, they're... They're interacting with you while yeah, you're having, it's a, so flight. Fun. Like this, having these, a flight. The way he talks about how these kids like light up because they get to have a flight with mom and dad, I think is amazing. <laughs> with mom and dad. It's, I mean, it's sweet. It, it really is. is. It's, it's sweet. adorable. It's and, and again, the passion that he has, not only for beer, but that it transcends into wine and into soda. You can feel it. Yeah. Man, you can feel it. Yeah. I love that he gets to do what he does every day. This was an episode that uh, we're on 30 now. And I got to tell you. I, we're opening doors now, and I, I really, I didn't mind how long it went. No. It didn't feel long-winded no. at all. He's got great stories, and I... Oh, dude, that was one of the notes that I made, is that this guy tells stories like he's a novelist. Yeah. Like, he has similes for everything. Like, one of his analogies that he used for for the uh, the cliffhanger, like standing on the edge of the cliff and not falling. Not falling, I, wrote I that saw you, I saw I you like, writing that down. That is so beautiful. What yeah. A, like you're describing beer, but that transcends like everything, right? I I really hope this episode, guys, makes you go, a, go introduce yourselves, Carmen and 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 Jerry. They're always there, oh so my God, please just do. The sweetest people, yeah, sweetest people in the world. They tell them what ails you, you sent you, and yeah. I think you guys will have a good time. Yeah, De- definitely say what ails you sent you, sent yeah. you, and you're gonna have a really good time. Yeah. I guarantee it because. He really appreciated every moment of it, mm-hmm. and we felt it. Yeah, humbly, I felt this was such a great episode. Yeah, and I really hope it it helps them build something down there of a yeah. community. Because here's where I'm at. They deserve we're, it. We're 30 episodes in. Yeah, and this episode to me felt more important than than almost any other that we've done. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about uh, a brewer who's who has a masterful understanding of not only his craft in brewing. But of winemaking, soda, food, and and there's Auburndale that just isn't supporting him like he deserves. I agree. No, I, I Auburndale. Do. I can imagine it's tough in Auburndale. Can you name another brewery there? I can't. I don't think there is one. There isn't. Um, yeah, they already and said so there we, wasn't. We, we we turn back to Central Twenty Eight, right? We turn back to this idea that I've reiterated multiple times that every community has a brewery, mm-hmm. and. And here's one that not only has a brewery, but has a winery. 
and has a soda factory and has this place where you can go get these unique wings that are different, legit Whole, different than anywhere literally. else. Literally, yeah, yeah. Wood-fired pizzas. Oh my God. Like, Auburndale, we could not give you more yeah. than what Brew Pop is giving the you. best beer cheese. Oh, dude. That has ever yeah. walked this earth. <laughs> yeah. That was insane. I loved his dig against Velveeta and Miller Lite. That was just so oh, good. Sure. But it's true. because It's that, so true. The beer cheese that he makes... I can just, I'll say it now, it's different than any beer cheese you've ever had. Ever. Ever. It dude. is a sauce. It is a gravy. Dude, it, is so a, it is a cheese. It is yeah. Unreal. Unreal. It was just like, yeah, sharp here and yellow and white. Yeah. And everything yeah. that he's putting in these cheeses. Right. It's cheese. And so it's here, fucking great. So we're 30 weeks in. We've done we've done countless breweries. We've talked to so many people. And, and here's a brewery that, that I think... Man, we just we just really got to send people to. Yeah, we got to get people into that restaurant. Uh, I can't speak much about Auburndale. Besides, we we had so much fun <laughs> talking to Jerry about just his work. Yeah, uh, we that, didn't even get to really talk. I don't talk really about know it. anything else about Auburndale, but yeah. I don't need anything more. I don't. Um, we went and we had such a good time, and I know you guys will too. Um, it's five minutes off I four. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. It's five minutes off I four, and. Uh, Five ten. I mean, depends on traffic, but five ten minutes. You're you're there, and you're drinking well. And I think you know you're drinking yeah. well with those ABBs. Okay, so and for fucking growlers. You, oh, okay. So yeah, the ABB <laughs> thing. <laughs> In the intro, we <gasps> joked about this. We're like, Quinn, you're gonna get scared because they're all over ten percent. Yeah, <laughs> and I still am. It's yeah. just like. So for the big, I was brave, guys. You, you tried proud a of lot. Me. You I tried did a lot. Yeah, a lot. I did. So, I drank a lot. So for you know, like the big drinkers that like those big powerful beers, you're gonna love it there. Pretty much. Everything is seven and above, at least. Like at the least. minimum I saw, he has a few beers that are below five. That's it. Uh, those would be his third runnings. So, uh, you know, we talked a lot about this party guile uh, style mm-hmm. of brewing. And so, if, certainly, there's nowhere else that we've been to that's, that's mastering this. I think that's a great reason to go. Yeah. Just to go challenge yeah. yourselves. How refined are you at drinking beer? What nuances can you detect in exactly. the first running, the second running, and the third running? Um, if nothing else, like these flights are just a, a really good opportunity for you to go and practice, which is amazing. Yep. And it's just, dude, we just can't say enough about it. Jerry, Carmen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, your buddy Casey. Oh, I mean, he wasn't dude, there. Huge he shout out. There. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't dude, we got to give a shout out to Casey, member of the Orlando Facial Hair Club. You've been talking at Brew Pop for a while. Yeah. We are so happy to be uh, finally. Uh, uh, you know, honored to say that we've been there. Yeah, and had had their beer, had their generosity given to us, and we're just so glad. Yeah, to be it part was of it was awesome. It was awesome. So, guys, thank you for this episode. Uh, Jerry, Carmen, thank you for making us a part of it. And uh, any last words? No, I just go. That's, yeah, that's the only thing I can say. Uh, it's the interview speaks for itself. It says a lot. It takes a while to do it. Thanks for bearing with us. Hopefully, as, as you listened, you were just enthralled like take we were. Take notes. Oh, hell yeah. That's what I do all day. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, take notes, guys. Uh, shit, with that. Um, Special thanks, as ever, to Sad Myth. Editing. Definitely. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Jillian Quain, thank you for everything that you've done with the shirts and the stickers. we got new stickers. we got more coming. Uh, a lot of things in the works. Yeah, shirts are out with yeah. stickers. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah guys, the stickers are thank out. Thank you to you. The biggest thank you of all goes to our listeners. Definitely can't do this without you guys hi guys (laughs) all right we'll see Uh, you next week see you next week